welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs. And we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? That's the clear and repeated theme of this song. It's a request for conversation and a request, a request for relationship. I'm trying to figure out where this relationship's going to go. Where is it headed? And this, this question by Khalid as he sings this song, it's, it's about a relationship that started off good, but then it moved along pretty fast. And this song took off fast. In fact, it's a chart climber. It's one of the, the top 100 songs in the country right now. And part of that is because of the, the theme of the song. It's got a good beat to it. But it's, it's this, this plea for conversation. Before we get lost. Before we get lost in this relationship, where we're going, I want to figure out where we are today. How, how do we stand? And, and I want to share my inner self with you. That's some of the lyrics. If you dissect the song, I want to share who I am. And I want to listen to your viewpoint as well. Can we just talk? That's the theme of this song, and the, the goal is relationship, and the path is talking. Well, there's so many things that affect our relationships. There's so many things that impact our lives. But there's few things that will impact your life more than talking. James chapter 3, verse 5 says, The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The words that you say, the things that come out of your mouth, they impact your life more than you have any idea. And your relationships, where they are today, are in large part where they are because of the words that have come out of your mouth. Now that's, that's both inspiring because that means you can influence your relationship, but it's also scary to think about. Because the, the Bible says in Proverbs that, that your words can bring life and death. Can we just talk? Because if you want relationship, you've, you've got to talk. The difficulty, though, we, we all know these things, but the difficulty is discovering not to talk, but how to talk. How to communicate. You know, Jesus has this remarkable interaction with a woman in the Bible in John chapter 4. It's a story we're going to sit on for a little bit today. And, and, and he sits down with her and essentially says, hey, can we just talk? And as Jesus is there at a well talking with this woman, having a conversation, can we just talk? Her life is forever changed and her whole city is changed through a conversation. What if God could use your words to make an impact like that in, in your life and in the lives of people around you in our city? It is possible. Can we just talk? Your, your words, your words make such a difference in the world. John chapter 4 Beginning in verse 5. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came up to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, his disciples had gone into town to get food. They had been traveling together. They had been doing ministry together. And Jesus pauses at this well, and he's physically tired. We assume he's thirsty, and he asks for a drink. Down in verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. They have a lot of history we can unpack between these two groups of people. And she says, How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
So there's more to this, much more to this conversation we're going to get back to. But let me just stop here and can we just talk about this. Jesus asked her a question. He asked her a question that you're going to see eventually leads to spiritual transformation. But this is so important. He begins by asking her a question. In fact, this, this song that we just heard here for Top of the Charts, the, the whole song essentially is a question, a single question. Can we just talk? And, and Jesus, if you study his ministry, he often asked questions that led to spiritual outcomes for people. It, it allowed them to discover truth on their own. You know, we prefer telling people versus asking a question and listening, don't we? We prefer to tell people. We even have statements for this. I told him off. <laughs> Girl, you tell him. You know, it's like we, we have these statements like we love to tell people how it is. I'm going to tell them how it is tomorrow. When I get there on Monday, I'm going to tell them how it is. We, we love to tell people. I'm going to tell people something. But we're not so naturally great at asking questions and listening. Proverbs 18, 13 says, To answer before listening is folly and shame. It's foolishness to just tell people, tell people, tell people, tell people, and not ask a question and listen. And if we're going to talk today about the art of talking and the beauty of talking and the impact spiritually of talking to people, especially talking to them about Jesus, well, man, we gotta, we got to start with listening. And ironically, as we discuss talking, to improve my talking, I have to increase my listening. You, you probably want to write that down. <laughs> I improve my talking by increasing my listening. That, that's, how, that's how I improve my, my talking. I, I, I listen better. Self-discovery is so powerful when you ask a question and let others answer and maybe discover something. You know, I remember traveling across country every other year as a child from the Midwest. My mom grew up in, in California, and so we would drive over kind of close to the Bay Area, and we would, we would drive that really long multi-day trip with me and my two brothers in the back seat, and we had so much fun together. I remember one, one time we stopped at a rest stop, and me and my brothers caught a little lizard and put it in a cup, <laughs> and we had it in the back seat, and we're driving down the road, and it got out. We're like, hey, Mom, <laughs> we, we've... We, we caught a lizard at the last stop, and it's loose in the car, and dad, dad hits the brakes. Mom's like, ah! You know, so there's so many of these cross-country adventures. But probably the thing that sticks with me the most is just wearing my dad out with questions. I'm a little boy. You know, sometimes I get to sit in the passenger seat, and, and I would just, you know, to keep him awake. But for me to learn, I would just ask him question after question. I mean, we drive past the farm. Hey, dad, what do farmers do? <laughs> you know? Oh, okay, the cattle ranchers. Oh, what do they, how do they get the cows, dad? You know, and like, you know, how, what do they feed them? I'm just asking questions. But I learned so much for hours just, just there with my dad just asking questions. We learn when we ask questions and we, we learn when we answer. And, and man, this, this dialogue between Jesus and this woman, it begins. You're going to see where it goes. It's amazing, but it begins with a question. And Jesus wasn't asking the question because... He really, truly uh, needed some, like, information or something like this. He was asking, really, he knew where it was going to go. He knew it was for her benefit. And if, if I could learn to, to listen better, I would know the needs of the person I'm talking to more, so I would know how I can best serve them, how I can best love them, if I would listen. And, and let's just take a step back. This is true not just with people. This is true with God. You want to grow in your prayer life. Oh, my goodness. Like, this is, this is transformational. So many of us, we think of prayer as just talking to God. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have my prayer time and I'm just going to tell God all the things going on in my life, which you should. And I'm just going to tell God all the, the requests I have, which is good. But we stop there. And a big part of talking with God instead of just talking to God is listening. So it's, it's opening his word and, and allowing his word to speak to you. And, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and convict you. And it's praying and saying, Father... You know, I'm reading this, and this is what's going on in my life. What is it that I need to know? And allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into your life through his word and, and through that conviction internally of the Holy Spirit as he brings things to mind that, that maybe in your life need tweaking or changing. It may be bringing someone to mind that you should pray for. But if we never sit in the stillness, if we never listen, then we're not going to experience God's presence in the way that he designed it to be. And, and maybe you're getting better at talking to God. We just did this great 40 days of prayer time coming into the fall season. I thought it was so good for our church. And, and maybe you feel like you're better at talking to God. 
but, but what if you shifted that now and you started talking more with God? What if that was the next level? Not just talking to God, but talking with God, listening, asking questions. God, I'm not sure what I should do here. I'm going to search your word and I'm going to pray, but guide me. You know, I, I'm, I'm listening. Holy Spirit, speak to me. You know, we improve our talking by, by increasing our listening. How good of a listener are you? How good of a listener are you? I love James chapter 1, verse 19. It's talking to the church, and it says, you know, the brothers and sisters in the church, hey, we, we, should, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But I know I naturally do that the opposite. How about you? <laughs> I'm just being honest. I think I do that the, op the exact opposite. All three things, I think I naturally do the opposite. Like, I I'm quick to talk, slow to listen, and quick to become angry. Like, I just do the opposite naturally in my flesh. So I have to work on this. I had, I had to memorize this verse a lot of years ago and, like, keep coming back to it over and over again. And sometimes, you know, it's the people around you. Like, your wife's like, hey, you know, have you read that verse lately? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but it's so good to, like, just think, man, if I could be better at listening, I would be a better communicator. I would be better in relationship. I could ultimately serve others better. Have you ever tried to spiritually ask a question of somebody, ask a spiritual question of somebody in, in hopes that they will understand something in a better way? Um, ask, asking them a question that leads to a constructive outcome in their life could be transforming. And, and you really have to put intention into it. We have growth track classes now that we have been developing and are developing here at Church Experience. And our hope is to help people get connected to God and get connected to others and equip them with actual practical tools to do that and so we've had for a long time first class and then we added growth class and we're about to add a freedom class and a leadership class and these four classes that we'll just continually cycle through and help equip people and and, and develop people and kind of that first step of discipleship and so they can get integrated into the church and get connected with people and we we have questions we, we always provide a free meal in fact today is growth class and you're welcome to come but, but we have this really nice free meal and at the beginning of it people sit down and they talk around the tables and we wanted to help that communication with people as they're sitting there and avoid any kind of awkward moments with sometimes people you don't know. And so we put at the centerpiece of all the tables, there's, there's a dozen questions. And, and we just kind of revamped all this in this last week. And, and we were trying to come up with questions as we sat down and we're like, okay, what are the best questions we could ask to help people have conversation? And, and I found like you have to really think about it to ask a good question because we naturally talk about, you know, pretty basic stuff. So how do you ask a question that really engages somebody, that gets them to have a purposeful conversation and it helps them to really dialogue. You have to be intentional about it. This isn't going to happen by accident. If you want to become a better listener, it's something you actually put effort into. Well, let me come back to this story. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus, Jesus answered this woman. He says, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the water in the well, they will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's still, still thinking of the physical, not the spiritual. He told her, go call your husband and come back. It's an interesting change in topics. She says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Oh, that's a drop the mic moment, Jesus. <laughs> that was pretty. Can you imagine how she must have felt like, who is this guy? How does he know? What do you mean? How does he even know that I'm with the new guy? Like, and how did he know about all five of them? It's like crazy. In verse 19, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So, Jesus asks her a spiritual question, and he, he's very quick to go into maybe a little bit uncomfortable areas to get at the woundedness in her life, to get at the problems in her life. And he connects her immediate need, which is water, the physical. He connects that with the deeper spiritual need in her life, which is relational. She's having relationship problems with people because she doesn't have a relationship with God. And he knows this about her. And so he, he asks her, he's willing to ask her a question about a painful area of her life. And, you know, an area of her life that might not naturally come up in a casual, you know, by the water cooler, so to speak, kind of conversation. But he asks her a question in love. And he's not be, being demeaning to her. He just asks her a question. And Jesus is willing to talk about the spiritual. He's willing to talk about the thing that, that makes a difference. 
And there, there was someone in our church that texted me just this week, and I thought it was interesting, the timing of it. And they said, hey, thank you so much for helping create an environment in our church where people can be real. And this person had just gone through some, some significant things in their life, and we had been in dialogue with them, and, and I think some others as well. And just and they said, you know, thank you that there, this is the kind of church where you don't have to put on pretense and, and facade, and you can just, you can be real. You can be honest about what you're really going through, and you don't have to pretend like everything's together. And I, would, I just was very encouraged by that because I thought, man, that's so good. That's, that's what we want, that authenticity to be who you are and, and to share what's going on in your life. And, and I think that's what God wants, and that, to, to love us right where we are. And he loved this woman right where she was. He, he, we know this about Christ. He loved her even in the midst of her problems and her pain. But here's what I also love about Jesus. And this maybe grinds against some of the grain of our culture right now in our world. And that's that he loved her so much he wasn't willing to leave her where she was. You know, he, he, he loved her so much right where she was in the middle of her pain. But he simultaneously loved her so much he wasn't going to leave her there. I love the story about the woman who's caught in adultery and, and these religious leaders bring her and throw her at Jesus' feet. And it's kind of like maybe a test and saying, hey, Jesus, well, what about her? And they want to stone her to death. And, you know, and, and they're seeing how Jesus is going to respond. And in and, the and end, you know, he says, well, whoever has, is without sin, let them throw the first stone. Because that was in their culture, you know, one of their laws, you know, stone someone to death. They're caught in the act of adultery. And, and he says, well, if you're without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And, and, I, and I think that we naturally like that, that, you know, as her accusers faded away, we, we like that side of Jesus that, well, we're not here to judge others. And we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. Let's just be open and transparent and honest about our shortcomings and, and it's okay. It's, it's okay to not be okay. And, and we like that, and that's all true, and that's good. But what I love about that story is that Jesus, when she leaves, when the conversation's done, he says, he tells her that she's forgiven. But then he says, go and sin no more. So it wasn't okay just to go back to adultery. Well, I'm just, that's just who I am. That's just how I'm made. It's this, that's, just, that's the issues in my life. He says, well, that's wrong. That's not going to lead to the best outcome for you. I love you right where you are, and if you seek forgiveness done. You know, God will forgive you whatever your issues, but part of the authenticity is you have, to, you have to get real with the issues, the real issues, and deal with them, and not just say, well, it's okay. And I think we're naturally better at the first one, even in, in churches, I think we're better at the first one. Let's just love people where they are. Let's just love people, but the most loving thing you can do is to help talk with them in love and get them to a place, maybe through asking a question, where there's spiritual transformation, where they don't want to stay where they are, where she doesn't go back and there's a sixth husband, a seventh husband, an eighth husband, and she's continually breaking relationships. Maybe it's with unfaithfulness. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe she can't handle relationship. We don't know the reasons, but she's got a problem, and Jesus loves her enough to address the issue in her life in hopes that there will actually be a change in her life. Do you love people in your life that much that you can simultaneously manage the tension between I love you and I'm not going to judge you. I'm not here to put you down and, and shame you or, or tell you all the things wrong in your life. I'm just going to love you and be here. But I can simultaneously discuss the problems and issues in a grace-filled way so that there's actually transformation in your life. Can we handle that tension? We're not going to get that right all the time, honestly. That's very difficult tension to manage, but Jesus did it perfectly. He did it so well. You know, imagine if God could use us to give us the courage and the confidence to go beyond the natural discussions with our friends about sports or, you know, our kids or the most recent hobby or what's on the news. What if we could go like a layer below that and we could, in time, we, we could have conversations that actually brought about spiritual transformation in others' lives? I want to encourage those of you who are doing this. I see this in our church at work. I see mature believers talking with people, and they're having little mini counseling and coaching sessions and encouragement sessions over in the hallways and in, in, in living rooms and in, you know, over text messages and, and praying for I'm, I'm praying for you. Here's what's going on in my life. Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Or here's something I learned the other day. It's just so powerful. And, and what if God could use you to do that? To take this faith, all that you're learning, and some of you take notes every week, and what if God could start using that more in your daily life to, to shepherd and care for and raise up your family and, and those you care about and those you work with? What if God would use you to be a light in our community? It's desperately needed. We need more people to be the voice of the Lord in our community. Not, not your words, but his words flowing through your words, and it would be so powerful. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? And, and part of the lyrics of this song, it says, you know, I can see it in your eyes. I can tell that you're wanting more. What's, what's been on your mind? There's another question in the song, in the lyrics. You know, what's been on your mind? 
you know, so how do, how do we do this? How do we have those conversations where we get into each other's head and we, we actually talk about real issues? How to have spiritual conversations. I think that's what God really put on my heart to share today. And there's, there's three simple things that I think will really help you. And so if you are taking notes, I'm going to walk through these. But they're in your notes. How to have spiritual conversations. One, it's very simple. Do what Jesus did. Ask a spiritual quest, question and listen well. A- ask a spiritual question and listen well. I just thought of some, some simple questions. And, and some of these are geared more towards a believer and you adjust them if someone's not a believer as you kind of gauge where they are. But, you know, a simple question. What has God been teaching you lately? Hey, you know, what, what have you been learning? That's a great question. Here's another one. What's most exciting in your life right now or, or most challenging right now spiritually? That's a great question because everybody's got a challenge and everybody has something that they're hopeful about or excited about. Maybe you can just ask somebody simply about their story. Hey, tell me about your childhood growing up, you know, with God and church. What was that like? What's, what's, your, what's your story, how your life was changed? You know, ask them that. Hey, any recent victories? Any recent victories? Any recent battles in your life right now? Man, I, I love a good question. Isn't it so fun when you're, you're talking with somebody and they ask a good question? Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so rich. What if, what if you were that person to ask questions? What if your kids, when they got done, maybe, maybe you pick, check out a, a kid experience and, and you're on the drive home or you're sitting with them later in the week or they come back from student experience on Wednesday night or, or some other time at school. Instead of just asking, hey, did you have fun? How'd it go? What if you asked them a spiritual question? Hey, what did you learn today? What, what did you learn today? Or, you know, what are you learning? Or, hey, what's, what's challenging in your life? Those questions can lead to such spiritual transformation in, in the people's lives that we care about. But, you know, timing and, and flow are so important in a conversation. Like, how you ask it is so important. So Jennifer and I, the other day, we had some rare time alone, which is the two of us. So we were walking out by the beach, and, and we were holding hands, and we were walking along by the sand before the sand goes out to the water. And, and there was a group of people uh, gathered in a circle playing hacky sack. And I remember that from high school. I was mostly a basketball player, but anytime there was anything with a ball, I would just jump in. I'll, I'll play. You know, <laughs> I love sports. And, and I, I, I remember a hacky sack. It's just, if you're not familiar with it, there's this little knitted together ball that has some beans inside it. It's called a hacky sack. And you stand in a circle with four to 12 people, and, and you throw the ball up in the air, and you, with the sides of your foot, you, you kick the, the little hacky sack up in the air, and you try to keep it up in the air as long as you can. And you might make it 5, 10, 15 hits. You can go more than that if you're really good. But I, I just remember that from high school, you know, waiting for the, the bell to ring and for us to be able to walk into the building, you know, people standing around playing hockey sack. And I, I did it a few times. I wasn't amazing at it, but I remember doing that. Well, we're walking past this group, and we're holding hands. And, and as we're walking past this group that's playing, we're just casually talking, and, and I see what they're doing. I'm like, oh, cool memory. I haven't done that forever. And, and as we're walking by, by, you could ask Jennifer after the service. I'm not exaggerating even slightly on this. One of the guys kicks the ball a little too far, and it goes beyond where his friend is. And it goes outside of the circle, and I see it coming toward me. And I'm here walking along, holding Jennifer's hands. I see the hacky stack, like instinct, came back from like 15 years ago. I just put my foot up. Boom. (laughs) Perfect hit. Sailed right back into the circle. The other dude, whoo, he kept going. I look at Jennifer. We keep walking. I felt like a champ. I was like, did you see that? She was not nearly as impressed as I was. I hear a noise going on, you know, like after we left, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get a reaction here. And I hear a noise, and I look over thinking, wanting to think that they were amazed at how good that was. It's like, yeah, thank you. It's like that kind of thing. They, they didn't even acknowledge me. They didn't even know. But it's like, I just like, did you see that? It was so cool. I didn't even break stride. It's like, oh, it's like, let's go back. Let's walk by him one more time. Let's just see if it happens again. So good, you know. But, man, just, if it, I think when, you, when you're talking with people about spiritual things, man, the, the timing is so critical. Because if, if you, you have to be able to talk about it without breaking stride. You have to bring it into the conversation naturally, and it takes experience. It takes time. You're going to fail. But here's, let me explain why this is such a big deal. If you bring it up at the wrong time, you're going to come across as a pushy Christian that's always trying to push your views on others. You're judgmental. If your timing is wrong on the other side, man, you miss key opportunities where right there in the moment they're telling you about their heart is breaking or there's a need or there's something going on in their life. And, man, God just, boom, he's like, here's the opportunity. That, that could change their life or their family. And, and like, there it was, and it was sitting on the tee, and, oh, we whiffed it. We missed that opportunity. How many times, I wish I could go back where I just, I, I didn't want to be offensive or I didn't want to say the wrong thing or whatever, so I just didn't say anything. It's like, oh, that could have really changed someone's life. And so the timing is just so important, and you have to bring it into the stride of the conversation. And again, you're not going to be perfect, so don't let that hold you back. But a phrase that we've often used here at Church Experience in teaching people on how to do this is we, we call it like touch-and-go conversations. 
Like in your natural relationships, and this is true if you're trying to impart like parenting advice to your children or, you know, uh, some kind of wisdom for a friend who's going through something and a student in your life, is is touch and go. Is touch on the topic in a loving, grace-filled way. And my belief is that God is always at work in our lives all the time. And so if he's working in that area that you bring up, they're going to ask a question. They're going to say a comment. There's, it's, like, it's like you're putting a little something in the water, and if, and if they jump on it, then, then, then you know that it's time to talk more about it. But if they give you, like, the silent treatment, the cold treatment, that you can tell they don't want to talk, that's when you go on. So this is where the stride is really important in the conversation because if you, if, if, if you touch on something, you hit a nerve, and they clearly don't want to talk, this is what I see some believers, especially like the super spiritual people, the real religious people, like sometimes like they, they could just, they don't sense that and they bring something up and their coworker doesn't want to go there and so they push and they do damage. They do the, the exact opposite of what they're hoping for. Like that person's like, see, this is, this is why I don't go there because it's just, it's, I'm, I'm not ready for that. But when you bring it up and like if they want to talk, then, then you ask some questions. You, you, you share your journey. Don't preach at them, like, like, just, just share your journey, what, what God's doing in your life. And, and that's really bringing, and not in a condescending way either, not in an uninvited, I'm your spiritual instructor that you haven't invited into your life kind of way. I'm going to tell you what you need to know whether you want to or not. But more as a loving friend on the journey with them, right? Um, but, but here's what it leads to. Number two, after, after you've brought it up, you share what you're learning and experiencing. Here, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm experiencing. In the lyrics of this song, Uh, One of the statements is, can't get what we want without knowing. And I I like that lyric. As I was researching and looking into this song a little bit more, can't get what we want without knowing. I'm like, man, I've heard that somewhere before. Oh, yeah, that's in in the Bible. How will they know? You know, how will they know? If we we don't share the news with them, how will they know if someone doesn't go? Unless the word is preached to them, how will they ever know? And if we don't go, how will they know? If we don't go there in the conversation. So we have to share it with humility, and I think what holds some of us back from sharing is because we think we have to know all the answers. And so this is, this is the answer to that, is just share your story, because you are the expert at your story. Nobody knows your story more than you. So, so no one's going to trump you when you're sharing your story, and be like, oh, well, you forgot about this, and what you didn't know about your life. It's like, you're the expert. You know your life journey. You know the ups and the downs. And so if you're willing to be transparent, say, here's, and, and if you get to assume this, that you're actually walking with God, and God's working in your life, well, then you have a story. Doesn't mean your story is fleshed out in the way you want it to yet, or that you're where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. So you have a journey. And so if you could just say, hey, this is where I am. This is what's going on in my life. This is some of the things God's taught me. Well, you can't go wrong with that. That's just being real and transparent and sharing your story. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. And you don't always have to say it in that explicit of a way, but and it could be something simple. You know, the other day in church, and we were talking about this, and you know, afterwards, me and some friends, you know, we went out to eat or after school, we was talking about this, and 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 you just mentioned church and something you learned, something from the Bible. It's just something simple that you've touched on it. Really, well, I, that's interesting. You, you should tell me more about that. Or, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Well, there you go. You're in a spiritual conversation that could go somewhere. They're silent. They don't say anything. Well, clearly they don't want to go there. So sharing your story is so powerful, but I think what holds believers back sometimes is insecurity. Insecurity over lack of knowledge because there's always somebody who knows more. There's always somebody who knows more. I remember some kids coming to me when I was first a pastor, a senior pastor of a church when I was 25 years old, and I, I was learning, you know, so much. I'd watched my dad do it my whole life, but I, just, I still have so far to go. But I, I really had a lot to learn at 25, just so much that I didn't know. And, and some kids came up to me, and they, they held a sign up for me. They were, like, on the other side of the glass from the lobby of our church, and they held this little sign up. And it said, what kind of fish did Jesus use to feed the 5,000? And I'm, I'm pulling up the encyclopedia stuff in my head, which was, you know, even more limited at that point in my life of, like, the Bible. And I'm like, I don't remember. Is that, maybe it's in one of the other Gospels. Like, I, what, what fish? Tarpon? You know, a grouper? I, I just don't remember. And I was like, I don't know. And, like, pretty instantaneously, they popped this, the next side up that said, miracle fish. Duh. It's like, oh, man, you got me. And so I just kind of learned early on, I'm not going to know all the answers. You know, I got, I'm not. I'm not going to get all the, the answers. I'm not going to be the, the, the Bible encyclopedia that has it all right. I'm going to learn every day. And I, I I read the Bible. I've done it every day for years, and I'm always learning more, and I, I try to listen to others teach on the Bible, and I take notes when I'm learning environments. I'm always wanting to grow, but, but there's always going to be somebody that knows more than me. You know that, right? There's always going to be somebody that knows more than you, and that's okay. You can kind of breathe easy. So here's the thing. If you, if you think until you know the most in the room that that's the point at which you can share, you'll never share. 
And that insecurity, lack of knowledge, holds people back. But here's what I would like you to consider. The only people that we see in the Bible outside of Christ himself, you look at the New Testament, the only people that seem to know it all, the only people that seem to know it all, that have all the answers in the New Testament, they were the group of people, the Pharisees, that Jesus was always confronting and saying, you got it all wrong. So they intellectually knew more than everybody else, but Jesus was always saying, okay, you got the letter of the, the law right, you got the right Sunday school answer, but you've got it all wrong. It's not really about that. So I know you, like, you think it's that, but you just totally missed it, you know, right? You missed the forest for the trees. And, and, and so don't let insecurity of lack of knowledge hold you back. Just share your story. Share what God's doing. Ask questions. Allow God to be at work. This is very similar to a marriage. Like, um, you know, if, if, you, if you sit down with a, a counselor and, you, and, you, and, you, and you're having a marriage issue and you try to talk through it, one of the things that could come up is, well, I'm, I'm always trying to share with my spouse, and, but they, they never listen. They're always just trying to fix my problems. They always have an answer. I just want them to understand me. It's, a, it's the same thing when it comes to spiritual conversations. Your goal isn't necessarily to pinpoint and fix every issue in, in people's life. Your, your, your role in mine is to introduce people to someone who can fix their problems, to Christ. I'm just making an introduction. I'm passing the baton off. I'm bringing up the issue we're talking about. I'm saying, well, I got an answer for you. It's not my answer, but I know the answer is Jesus. He's the one that has what you're looking for. Go talk to him. Like that's, that's kind of the big picture of where we're going spiritually. But, but lack, of, lack of understanding shouldn't hold us back, so don't over-spiritualize everything. Have you ever, you ever met super spiritual boy or super spiritual girl that just like everything was super spiritual in their life? And, and I came across this verse in studying in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 that man, I thought was so helpful. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, listen, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So every conversation should not be everything you talk about, like spiritual, 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 spiritual. Like Paul didn't even do that. He's, he's right into the church in Thessalonica and he's saying, hey, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but we shared with you the, our lives as well. You know, you've heard the phrase, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Like, it's okay if you talk about sports or if you have some fun talking about, you know, your kids or a trip you're on. I mean, that's people, that, that's, that's life and people want that in your life. But I think that's a danger for some. But I think the greater danger for most of us in the room is probably on the other side is that we just talk about things of the world and we never talk about things that are eternal. We're so stuck and consumed with the earthly, we don't get to the eternal. We don't see transformation in our, our lives, excuse me, in our relationships. Number three, offer to pray, help, or invite. So simple, right? I mean, just offer to pray, help, or invite. You know, this is just you being you in Christ, which is genuinely, genuinely appealing to others. Having spiritual conversations that lead to a deeper place in people's life. Can I, can I pray for you about that? I, or I'll, I'll be praying for you about that. And then, and then do and follow up. Hey, you know, we, that thing we talked about a couple weeks ago, I've been praying for you. I've just been thinking about you. I've been praying for you every day. I've been praying for you every week. How's that coming? Wow. That's so impacting. A text message later on. Hey, I've been praying for you about that. Like, it's one of the ways that we express our love to others. Offering to help. That you're going through something. Hey, let me help you. I can connect you. I know somebody that can help you with this issue. Or, hey, you know what? This problem. Can I watch your kids while you guys go figure that out or do this? Just, just offering to help. It's something so simple. Or, or inviting. Hey, come sit with me. Come sit with me and we'll go out to lunch afterwards. You know, come sit in a service or a group, a Bible study. Just, just come. Just invite them to come along the journey with you. Jesus was always doing this. His disciples were always there. Like, they were just kind of rolling around together. You know, and, and he brought them along into the spiritual conversation. People are hungry for this. If you, if you will do, I'm telling you. Like, you will see people that you think in your life are so far from God. They might even be a self-proclaimed atheist. Like, they're just so far out there. If you do this well and do this right... God can work through you. I mean, it, it's in our culture. Even in this, this, this song that you hear in, in the mall that we just heard earlier, that, you know, it's, the lyrics, I can see it in your eyes. I can tell that you're wanting more. What's, what's been on your mind? People are wanting to go below. They want to know what's going on. It says, there's no reason we should hide. Tell me something I ain't heard before. Like, that's in that song that's, that's being played all around our, our, our world, all around our country. Like, tell me something I don't know. I, I want to go, what's in your mind? I, I want to go deeper. I want to go below just all the headlines and what's going on in the world. I, I want to get to the heart of the issue. And, and what's at the heart? What's, what's, the, what's the greatest problem in people's lives? What's the greatest need? If you, if you want to go deeper with people spiritually, what's, what's the greatest problem in our lives? Man, it's, it's sin. 
It's this self-destructive nature in us that we can take anything good in this life and we can turn it into a mess. You know, we can start to worship it and idolize it and obsess on it and it can ruin us. And it, it could be something fantastic and amazing that God made and we take it outside of the boundaries and man, it just self-destructs and it ruins and there's all these internal issues. It's, it's really a problem of, of sinfulness. I can't keep the car aligned. I can't keep it on the track. When I think I got life figured out, I, I veer off into, you know, an addiction or I veer off into to a messed up relationship, or I veer off into pride, or greed, or lust, or self-destruction in some fashion, and, and it's like that's, that's the heart cry of people in our world. I just can't keep the thing aligned. That's called sin. That's, that's, our, that's your friend's biggest problem. That's our biggest problem. And, and what's the greatest and only real solution? What's the greatest hope? What's, what's the best answer? It's Jesus. Like, he's the hope. He, he came and he died on a cross to put sin to death so that you, you could be resurrected to live a new life. Even in this, in this body that's temporary and it's been corrupted by sin, you can, your spirit can come alive. You don't have to be dead in your sins any longer. You can be resurrected into the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Man, that's the best gift you can give anybody that you love, that they can discover that. That, man, my biggest problems, there's an answer. Jesus paid it all. I don't have to walk around in shame and guilt. I can be forgiven of my sin as if I'd never sinned before in my entire life. Like, I can stand justified before God just as if I'd never sinned. I, he, he looks at me that way. I can become a beloved child of a king with an eternal inheritance. What better answer is there in life? What's more lasting? Nothing. Like, Jesus is the answer. So what can you give people you care about? Can we just talk? What could you say that would actually help them more than introducing them to Jesus? Bringing Jesus more into your conversations. You don't got to overdo this, but what if your family, what if around the dinner table or in passing conversations, what if a little bit more Jesus was a part of your life? What, what if our life looked a little different than the, the lives of the average person in the world that doesn't know Jesus? Like, if you could delete Sundays, like, you know, the time we, we come and we think it's just important to gather and worship, and God even instituted that in the Bible, don't give up meeting together, like, we should meet together. But if you could just pull Sundays out of your schedule and just dissect the other six days, what makes your conversations different than the average person who doesn't know Jesus? What if, what if, what if we could start to change that? Back in this story, I'll just kind of wrap up what happened here. It's really amazing. Verse 25, the woman said, uh, to, talking to the people in, in her city, she says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I'm the one speaking to you. I am I'm he. I, I'm him. I, I'm the answer. I'm what you're looking for. Verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Now listen to what she said. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out to the town and made their way toward him. And I want you to notice what I just read. Jesus just said, she said, there's a Messiah coming. He says, I, the one I'm speaking to you, I am he. I'm the coming king. I'm the coming Messiah. I'm the savior. But then she goes and tells all her friends, and she asks a question. I, I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So she wasn't even sure yet that this was for sure the one. And, and, and she, she, I think this could be the guy. I'm, I'm not sure. And, you know, Jesus was perfect. He was a perfect teacher. But there were still people who left him. There were still people who didn't get what he was saying. They didn't believe him. She was, like, not sure she believed him, even though he, like, gave her pretty strong and compelling evidence right there. It doesn't mean that every life's going to be changed that you talk with. Every spiritual conversation is not going to bring immediate fruit. You're planting seeds like a spiritual farmer, and you're hoping for a harvest. You're hoping to see God do great things over time. Finally, down in verse 39, and this is amazing to me. So the people of the town, they come. And it says, the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Many more became believers because of her words. What if your words and mine could bring about the transformation of the lives of other people? And that's what we're trying to get at. What if, what if your, public, your public confession of Christ through your conversations... Can we just talk? Would lead to the transformation of people. It would be amazing to see what God could do through us. One of the ways that you can pub go public with your words and, and invite people into the conversation is if you've never been baptized before, is to publicly say to your friends and family, to everybody watching, hey, and come, I'm, I'm being baptized, you need to come. And you publicly say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Something's happened in here and I want to show it out there. 
We're going to do this again here uh, real soon, uh, later this month. We, we did it earlier this year, and I just wanted to real quick give you a clip from that baptism earlier this spring and show you what it's all about. In fact, one of my favorite parts of this is when people are up on the pier, people in our community, many of them probably don't know Jesus, and they just stand there and they just watch. Like, what, what's going on? You know, it's like, what's happening? Check it out. Hey, come on, church. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. That, that's a visual illustration of what God can do through your life. If you, you publicly say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm not ashamed of that. Like, God could get so much glory. And if you've never been baptized, if you've never taken that step, listen, that, that, that'll build your courage to talk about Jesus more, to publicly go, go public with your faith. If you've never done that, we're going to do that here this month. And right now on your, your response card, you can write on there, I want to be baptized. There's a little box in the back you can check. We'll follow up with you, make sure you know what it means and get it and, and tell you what you need to know. In fact, as you leave today, there, you'll see a, t- a table out in the lobby. It's got baptism T-shirts. And you can sign up today, take a shirt, and we'll, we'll, we'll get you all set up. It's also, we're also going to do a child dedication experience that day for children under 12. The parents can dedicate them to the Lord. And we do some cool stuff. We give them a parenting book uh, by a mentor of mine. It's just a great book on parenting. It's a gift from us to you to invest in your parenting, and we have you write out a prayer to them, and we laminate it and put a picture of, of your kid in there, and we give that to you so that one day they can see that you've been praying for them their whole life. I and mean, what a difference that makes. Well, that's just one way that you can go public with your faith. But I want to end on this verse today. In verse 41, this whole story's happened. The city's changed. This woman's life has changed. Down in verse 41, and it says, and because of his words, Jesus' words, so he's the He's the message. I'm just the messenger. It's really his words. And I I love this. Because of his words, many more, many more became believers. And that's why we started this church. That's why God began this vision and began his church so that more people will experience a full life in Christ than more people. That's, that's why. That's our why. We want more people. We want more people in your life to know Jesus. We want more people in our city, in other cities, to know about Jesus. People on the other side of the world. God's church is, is the, procl- the proclaimers of a great message, a message of hope in Christ, and, and you get to be a part of that. That's not reserved for preachers and missionaries. Like you and I preach the gospel through our lives every single day, and you can do that if you'll talk about Jesus. And so I have one final lesson before you, but before I can really give you that, I have a quote I want to share with you because we've been talking about talking, but there's another aspect to this. It's on the screen. Talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. He will never talk well and with real success to men to God who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. So all this discussion about talking to other people, before you talk to others, you need to talk to God about them. That's going to bring the real change in their life. So this final lesson point in your teaching notes, talk to God about the people to whom you are talking. And talk to God about them. Talk 
talk to God. Are you, are you praying? Every single day, I pray for my family by name, each one of them. I pray for my extended family, you know, my parents, siblings, things like that. And I pray for you guys every single day. I pray, pray for our church family. And, and I, I pray about the people in my life that don't yet know Jesus that I'm in a relationship with because that, that matters. They matter to God. So are you talking to God about the people in your life? And just to get you started, at the bottom of your notes there, you see three blanks. What if you just wrote in the names of three people, even just their first name, whatever, but you wrote in the names of three people that you're going to start praying for and hope to bring up a spiritual conversation with at some point. Something, something casual, something simple, but something that could be powerful in their life sometime in the next few weeks or few months. What if you start praying for them now? And then when God gave you the right opportunity in the right stride, you, you brought an opportunity to bring an impact in their life. God could use you to change lives for all of eternity. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. Climbing over the mountain